Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today, I'm here with Ikali. Hi. Very, very requested interview. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're born in Canada? I was born in Vancouver, Canada. That's Mm -hmm. right, yeah. Are your parents from there as well? Yeah, they are. So I was born in Vancouver, and then I moved to a little island called Maine Islands, which is in British Columbia. Oh. Lived there until I was 14, and then moved back to Vancouver. Did you move for your parents' job initially to the island? My parents were divorced when I was like oh. three, so my mom moved to the island. And, uh, you know, it was really tiny, like 500 people lived there. So. There so. were musicians, right? Yeah, there were. Yeah. yeah it was a nice, quiet upbringing and a uh, very artistic community. And then moved back to Vancouver and then started touring from there. So. What kind of music were they doing? Uh, mostly acoustic music, folk music. Uh, my mom was in a, a band that did originals and covers. And I used to play violin. And I was in a band with my mom for a couple yeah, years. Yeah, didn't your like teacher give you a violin in fourth grade? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, it's actually first grade. So, first grade. Um, yeah, my my teacher, I guess, saw something in me and just gave me a violin for free. Her personal violin. Wow. And so from there, that's that's kind of what got me into music. And without that, I don't think I'd be doing uh, what I'm doing today. Did you take like music lessons? I took music lessons for a year, mm-hmm. but I quickly realized that um, formal training wasn't really working for me. I was always the troublemaker that didn't want to do my homework and wanted to mess around and write weird stuff. And so, yeah, it just wasn't the thing for me in the end. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first CD you bought? The first CD I bought was probably Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by um, Blink-182. Oh. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was the, uh, definitely the first CD that I listened to. How else would you describe yourself back then growing up? Myself. How else did I describe myself? Mm-hmm. I'm a troublemaker. <laughs> um, yeah, I always get into trouble. I don't really um, care for... I dropped out of school when I was 15, so yeah, yeah so I, I just never really wanted to have an authoritative figure who always had to tell me what to do. I just always want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of on my own vibe, so yeah, that's how, definitely how I would describe myself. I'm very spontaneous as well. Um, I just I do stupid crap all the time. <laughs> yeah. Did you also find music through video games? Yeah, definitely. I, I grew up playing Final Fantasy, and uh, there was a composer called Nobuo Uematsu, who's a Japanese composer. And his, his music kind of shaped my entire childhood. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, with, and that was uh, yeah, a beautiful thing to have as a child, you know. Uh, my mom would go and I'd be playing video games for eight hours straight. And that music um, to this day still haunts me. It's, it's really beautiful. What age was that when you were there? Uh, I, was, I was playing Final Fantasy probably when I was 10 years old. Um, up until when I was 20, I played the whole, the whole thing. I think there are 15 different Final Fantasies now. Yeah. So, yeah, I've played every single one. When did you start your first like band? My first band I was in when I was 13 and wow. it was called The Perks and I played bass and it was in Vancouver. Uh, and so we, we did shows around Vancouver but we never really hit the road. I remember we wanted to start touring and my, my dad said no. So I wasn't able to tour and I was really, really upset about that. But he's a musician uh, also, I guess, because he's seen it all. I know, but the thing is, he he was a musician, he wanted to make it big, and I, th- I think his band never really got to that point. Mm. So he was kind of... Um, skeptical I guess cynical almost and, and didn't want uh, didn't want me to go down that same road so yeah did he give you some tips on like music or yeah I mean he he taught me how to play guitar so mm-hmm. he definitely taught me a lot of things and you know I love him for that but in the end I just ended up uh, touring anyway mm-hmm. I dropped out of school and ended up touring <laughs> anyway so how do you yeah. describe your parents personalities my parents personalities my dad is very stubborn just like me 
Mm -hmm. So that's where I get my stubbornness from. And then my mom is the most compassionate and kind person I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. So I guess I kind of ended up with a mix of both. Where I'm, I'm very caring and I, I love people and I love making people happy. But at the same time, I'm going to get my fucking way no matter what. You mm -hmm. know? So, yeah. Do you have siblings? I have one sister. Yeah. What does she do? She uh, is a mother right now. So she's oh. a mother of two. And she lives out on a communal farm in British Columbia and uh, basically lives off the land and takes care of her children there. And she's very happy. Yeah. yeah. And then the first kind of band that took off was, was Head the Whale. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I played in a band called Said the Whale for six years. Oh, wow. From when I was, I just turned 19, I believe. And I ended up quitting that band two years ago. So it was a long haul. And I think we ended up playing upwards of 500 shows together while I was in the band. So. Did you meet them through school or? I met them at a house party. <laughs> yeah, was, one night I was like considering going out and uh, I almost didn't. And then I ended up going and there was like a jam session going on in the basement. And I met the drummer that way. And through that, I auditioned for the band and they accepted me. So What instrument were you playing? I was playing bass. Oh. And then eventually I played keyboards and I sang backup vocals. So I was doing those three at the same time. Wow. Yeah. But you don't sing now? No, I don't sing now. No, I'm, I have a terrible voice. Absolutely terrible for singing. At that age, how did you know how to navigate the music industry? Because you all were kind of young, right? I had no clue. I mean, so I was in the band. I was the youngest by eight years, I believe. Oh, they were a lot older than you. Right. So I was 18, 19, and the rest of the band was from 25 to 29 years old. So, And the leader of the band, Tyler, had a very, very good sense of, um, of how to navigate the industry in a band and how to treat you know, our fans. And I learned a lot from him and ended up using a lot of the, the strategies and the tools he used in my own project now. Was that the band that won the Juno Award? That's right. That was in 2011 we won a Juno Award. for I think it was for Best New Group. Oh. Yeah, that's right. So you were already really known in your local scene that you were touring right. over. Right. Well, it's funny. As a band in Canada, it's really hard to break into the States. Mm. But uh, we, we toured Canada a lot. I think that was our main kind of source of sustenance. Because we had a big fan base in Canada but um, had a harder time breaking out into the States. What was the Chapel Sound Collective? Chapel Sound was a group of people in Vancouver. Uh, they were the first group of electronic musicians I met who actually believed in what I did. And they invited me over to their house. And from then on, we just became best friends and started making music together and trying to start building a, more of a community in Vancouver because there wasn't really a very supportive electronic music scene in our city. Do you remember the first artist you listened to when you started listening to electronic music? Yeah, his name's Burial. Oh. And he's uh, from the UK and he makes very beautiful kind of downcast garage music. And I also remember uh, Aphex Twin. Uh, growing up, my sister used to listen to Aphex Twin all the time. And so I would hear that from across the room. And I always thought it was really, really cool, but I never really dug deeper into it until I was a bit older. How many years ago was that? That would have been when I was 15. So my sister, my sister's an OG. She's been listening to drum and bass. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she was a drum and bass head. She went to raves. She did all the all of that. Um, and then I didn't really connect with that scene until I was a bit older. And then it was like that group that brought you into the scene? You're talking about Chapel Sound? Yeah. Yeah, so that ended up happening when I was, uh, I think, 22. Um, when I just started producing, so four years ago. And... And yeah, and they just kind of brought me brought me into the into the crew and mm -hmm. kind of um, allowed me to blossom as an artist. And then, so you were learning how to produce and still being in the band at the same time. That's correct. So I would be touring in the band in a van with eight other people, 
and I would just be in the back seat on my laptop with headphones on, just working on music the entire time. How were you getting your stuff out there initially? I would just put it up and, you know, forget about it. I think a lot of people place too much emphasis on sending their music to people and trying to, you know, finesse the industry and, and really at the end of the day, you could be spending that effort and that time making your music better and, um, you know, developing a universe for your music to exist in instead of fretting and being anxious about how many people are listening to your music because at the end of the day, if the content is good, then people are going to pay attention to what you're doing. So that's always been my philosophy. Did you always go by a calling? Yep. Yeah, that's the name I've always been by. How did you think of it? I have no idea. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, like, real story. I get asked this question a lot. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's no real story to it. One day I just kind of came up with it, and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. And I went with it. And all my friends were kind of like, what the hell? It's like, what, what does it even mean? What is this? Like, is it coli? I'm like, yeah, I'm, like, pronounce I'm it. like, yo, it's not a coli. <laughs> it's a coli, but... Uh, but it's fine. It ended up working out in the end, and I love my name, and it's, I don't know, it kind of just feels right within within the universe of the music that I made. Mm -hmm. And then did more and more blogs start picking up your music? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the first blog to ever write about me was this blog called Salacious Sound in mm. Vancouver, and then from there it was Ear Milk, and then, you know, eventually all the blogs that I wanted to be a part of started writing about me. Uh, that was a good feeling for sure. Looking back, do you ever regret dropping out of high school? No, not for one second. Yeah. I, th I think it was probably pretty stupid, but and I wouldn't encourage anybody to do it themselves, but I just kind of knew in my heart that there was no there was no place for me in school, and I didn't have a future in college, and I didn't have a future with teachers. And I just knew it very deeply and with complete certainty, so I just knew I had to do it. I had to get out of there. That was great. And then how long after that did you do Red Bull? Red Bull Music Academy was in 2015, mm -hmm. so that was about a year after I started producing. And they flew me out to Japan for that, yeah. so I got to spend two weeks in Japan with a bunch of amazing producers and work on music there. That really helped me out as well. Why did you decide that you wanted to do that? I think any musician would want to go to Red Bull Music Academy. I think that, um, you know, I think every year there are 20 to 30,000 applicants, and the application is about 60 pages long. And if you get accepted, it's all expenses paid. So I don't think that any aspiring musician has a reason not to do that and not to apply and, and see if you can be a part of that amazing opportunity. It's uh, it definitely developed me as an artist and also as a person, infinitely going out there and, and doing that. At that time, did you just move out from your parents' place or were you still living with them? Um, I just moved out. That's oh. right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've been living on my own for quite some time now. I obviously couldn't have afforded to fly myself out to Japan and yeah. house myself for two weeks. So, yeah, what, what Red Bull does for the for the aspiring musicians is actually pretty remarkable and, uh, and generous. Did you have to work like other jobs to support yourself financially or did you always just do no, music? I've always just done music. So lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, luck is one thing and the other part is, you know... Hardworking. Hard work, well, hardworking, but it's just, I always just refused to, to mm. not do what I love. Uh, even if that meant going into debt, you know, having credit cards that are maxed out. For me, it was all just part of the process, and I didn't crawl out of that hole until only a couple years ago. Um, so I had been in debt for hmm, seven years, eight years, something mm -hmm. like that. So there was a lot of financial stress involved in, you know, getting to where I am now, but it was all worth it in the end. What happened after Red Bull? What happened after Red Bull? Um, I came back home, continued to write with all the new skills I had learned out in Japan. 
After that, I think that was when Drake had put me on his record. He took two of my songs and, and sampled them on his record. Yeah, how did he even find that? Or through Party Next Door? I have no clue, actually. I think Party Next Door actually ripped it off SoundCloud. Oh! Because like, there was no download. So I think he actually like used a SoundCloud to MP3 program oh my gosh. or something. Because one day I got the, the, um, the song in my email and I'm like, oh, that's Party Next Door singing. How the hell did he get my song? Uh, yeah, I think he just found it and ripped it and sang on top of it. Was that kind of the first time you got more into the hip-hop sp uh, space? That definitely um, moved me a bit more into that realm, but I've always been a fan of hip-hop and rap. Grew up listening to it. And it's always something that I've wanted to be a part of. How did you meet Ausla? I met Ausla, so I met Sonny Skrillex. He sent me a DM on Twitter one day, just randomly. He's like, hey, come through the studio, come hang out. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went and of course, you know, one of my idols in music, walk into a room and Sonny's just sitting there working away. And he kind of just, we chatted the whole day, worked on some music and and then he was, I was talking about a record deal I was about to sign and then he wanted to take it over. And then we ended up moving it over to Atlantic, Elsla and Big Beat. And so that's how I became connected with that family. But I've known a bunch of the guys from Nest HQ and Ausla and they're all fantastic people. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier with where yeah. I'm at. How do you decide like, cause you had all these options, like what were you looking for when you were like signing with someone? I'm looking for a group of people who are gonna respect my creativity, who aren't gonna try and push my music in another direction and who are going to give me continual attention because a lot of times uh, people become really excited about an artist and then as soon as you know a couple months have gone by they've moved on to the next thing mm. so i was looking for a family who's gonna be excited about me and believe in me for a long period of time and not just you know for for a month um and we, and we made sure that was going to happen and so far it's been great is that your first deal or did you have one when you were still in the band uh, we had a failed record deal when i was in the band we were going to sign with Capitol records and that didn't work out and uh so yeah that was my first signed deal ever was with the Akali project. And when did you have your first management? I chose my manager about two years ago. And I remember there was a period of three years where I was doing all my own management, all my own shows, wow. advancing everything myself. And I ended up turning down about, I think 20 to 30 managers. And then I met Peter and Peter is my manager now, Peter Rugo, and he, we instantly connected. When I met him, it was kind of like he was a brother to me. And it just felt right. So that was two years ago now, mm -hmm. and it's been fantastic. Do you want to be so vulnerable online? Uh, that's just part of who I am. I mean, I think that in this day and age, people are searching for more than just the sound of music. Mm -hmm. I think that people are searching for a connection. Uh, you know, there's a lot of problems in this world. There's a lot of sadness and grief. And for me, I think being transparent with people and showing them that I'm also just like them is really important and it allows people to connect with your art more deeply and more personally. Do you ever feel like people dig too much into like your personal life and it's hard to like separate your personal life and being a musician? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I've become good at kind of separating the two and, and being healthy as an individual, but it's, it's hard sometimes when people, when people don't realize that you also have a heart and that you have feelings and you know, they feel like if they attack you that it's not going to affect you and yeah, so it's, it's definitely like there's a lot of chaos involved when you're so involved with so many people, mm -hmm. but I just kind of see it as a responsibility as, as an artist because when people are supporting my music and elevating me, 
I want to be able to support them back and elevate them. And I think one way of doing that is by communicating with them and having, you know, a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it definitely gets a bit crazy sometimes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Are you ever afraid of like the backlash if you like say something or sign up for your values and see the reaction? No, no I'm never scared of it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I get it from time to time. And it's, it's also easy to misinterpret what people have to say online, especially on Twitter, because it's like, mm. you know, you got 130 characters to say what you want to say. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, people aren't necessarily disagreeing with you. They just misread what you have to say. But regardless, yeah, I get backlash all the time. Um, but I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. I don't mind. I'm, I've just learned how to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I used to get super butthurt about it. And now mm. it's just, um, now it's just a part of daily life for me. So, yeah. yeah. Have you always had a strong relationship with Reddit? Yes, always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. There, there are these pockets, these communities on Reddit that are beautiful and um, yeah, so I've always been on there and try and talk to every single person who, uh, who mentions me or tries to tag me in something. Yeah, but it's beautiful. I'll be playing shows and people will come up to me and say, hey, like, I'm from Trap Reddit, like, nice to meet you. And, and it happens so often and I, I think it's beautiful that the internet can bring about such a sense of camaraderie and, yeah. and, and love. It's great. They're gonna talk about this on there. Is it? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna talk about this shit on there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out our trap. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna love that so much. How did the song with Medicine come about? That song I had written with Elohim about a year and a half ago. So I had written the vocal and the lyrics and the melody with her, and then that vocal had been sitting around for I don't know a year, year and a bit. And I was touring with Medicine, and we, we really wanted to make a track together, and he had this demo lying around, which was the ended up being the, the drop part of that song. And I just took the vocal, and I kind of laid it beside it, and it worked extremely well. Oh. So I ended up just redoing the rest of the production um, in the verses and the bridge and the outro, and then just kind of like beefing up Medicine's bit a little bit, and then that was the song. And I'd been trying to talk to Elohim for... A year and a half about finishing it. I had 20 different demos of all this di di different <laughs> stuff I tried on her vocal and nothing really connected with it until um, until Grant Medicine um, showed me his demo. So it was just I, wa I wanted a um, I wanted the production to kind of just augment the the story and the lyrics of that song, and just nothing really worked until uh, until we made the song together with Grant. So. Mm -hmm. What else do you have coming up? What do you want to talk about? I'm working on an, an EP right now, which is almost done. Nice. I've, uh, yeah, I've got so many songs right now. The past month I've just been uh, working with vocalists and writers and making more songy songs that have, you know, full, full, uh, you know, lyrical stories in them. So I've got a lot of that stuff. And then right now I'm trying to finish more solo Nikali music that um, is more akin to, you know, the bangers and uh, the festival songs and stuff like that. So we're gonna finish the EP, get that out, and then it's time to start working on an album after that. What's your inspiration for the upcoming songs and EP you have coming out, or themes? Uh, that is just uh, stories, you know, with my life, relationships, um, travel experiences, friendships, friends lost. It's, uh, but it's, it's really nice for me to, I've started to write lyrics with the vocalists and, and get my stories through in the songs as well, so I can connect with them. How do you think your music has changed since the early songs you made? I think that as a songwriter, I've matured a lot. I think that when I was starting to, to write music, I, I just wanted to make cool sounds and I didn't really care about connecting a story or a theme to my music. I'm getting a lot better at that. 
Um, I think for a while, when I started to get booked for festivals, I was focused too much on writing songs that would, you know, go off yeah. for a huge crowd. And I think now I'm able to kind of step back from that and start writing what makes me happy again and not what makes other people happy. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited for that. How were you able to like strike a balance with that? I wasn't for a long time. Yeah, yeah I wasn't. But uh, it's tough because my music is kind of separated into two different sounds. I've got the more mellow, ethereal stuff. And then I've got the bangers like Babylon with Denzel Curry. And finding a way to tie those two sounds together has been difficult. But I think I've finally managed to, to figure it out. And that was just a matter of trial and error, making making stuff that I didn't like, you know, making a hundred bad songs for every one good one, right? And I, I think I've got it now. Was it difficult going from producing yourself to like being in sessions and knowing how to work with writers? Definitely. I mean, every producer I think can relate to this, where you're in your basement on a pair of headphones or with your monitors and you're just sitting alone in a dark room with no windows for a, weeks on end. And then going straight from that into being in a room with, you know, humans, other humans who, you know, have their own vision and their own creativity can be really difficult. And it was for me for a long time. And uh, just learning how to, how to work with other people and to, you know, make a compromise here and there and, and so that everybody can feel happy with the song that you've created. It's really important. How would you say you've grown as a person since when you were younger? Oh, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> how have I grown as a person? Um, I think I've learned how to take care of my own needs and my own um, what I want in life and then also take care of the people around me so that when I'm doing things that, uh, that benefit me, I'm not hurting other people and, uh, and vice versa. And I think that uh, I've just matured mm -hmm. and I'm not looking to, I used to try and pick fights with everyone and I used to lash out when things didn't go my way and I think I've learned to kind of let go of that. Are our parents like really supportive of your music now and touring? Yes, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah my, mom, uh, my mom's very happy, my dad's very happy, I think they're both very, very proud of me. Um, I got to send my mom on a vacation this year, oh, which I'm nice. really excited to about. To where? She hasn't been on a vacation in a long time, to Hawaii. Oh, nice. Yeah, that would be <laughs> nice for her. <laughs> what would you say have been your biggest challenges so far? Biggest challenges so far? Biggest challenges biggest challenges of my career so far have been um, uh, met dealing with relationships while being a touring musician mm -hmm. is really difficult. Maintaining friendships while touring has been really hard because you're, you're I'm touring eight months a year now, so I'm only home three months a year. Um, sometimes you don't feel like you have a home and you, know, you feel disconnected from your family and from your friends. That's been very, very difficult for me and it's still, to this day, it's, it's very hard to find ways to, to connect with uh, the people at home, other than taking them on tour with you, which uh, sometimes obviously isn't possible, but I've been able to take a couple of my friends on tour oh, with nice. me now. And, and uh, so that, that's really nice having somebody with you when mm -hmm. you're touring. What does success look like to you? Success looks like happiness in, in my heart and happiness in all the people around me. For me, that's, be, that's successful. If you don't have to worry about, um, about first of all, if you don't have to worry about paying rent every month, for me that, that's success. I don't want a huge house. I just want to, uh, I just want to live happily with, uh, with people around me and then eventually start giving back to, to the community as well. Take care of myself so that I can start taking care of other people. Yeah. You know? Do you plan to move out to the States? Everybody wants me to move to the States. <laughs> I guess I care. Everyone's here. I think my team. manager would be very happy if I moved to LA, but yeah. I have a really hard time leaving Vancouver. It's where I grew up. It's part of who I am. 
there's mountains and oceans everywhere and it's just this beautiful haven and I have a really hard time leaving so we'll see mm -hmm. maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, I you know right now I'm just taking a month at a time and coming down here and, and then going back home which is working pretty well yeah yeah what does love mean to you what does love mean to me mm -hmm. oh, wow what does love mean to me I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one I, th I think really? that that's something I'd have to I have to sit down and think about <laughs> for a while <laughs> last question what do you want to be remembered for I'd like to be remembered for, um, I'd like to be remembered by people as a positive part of their life. Uh, yeah. That simply that, yeah. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd like people to look back at their adolescence and the music that I've made or the things I've done, and and be like, oh, that's that was something that changed me as a person and, and did some good. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I love all. that. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. <laughs>